home of the pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Forbes magazine had an article about why women's college basketball doesn't get as much coverage as the men's game. Here are the reasons, according to Forbes. Because about 90% of sports editors are men. Because only 10% of sports coverage is generated by women. Because 40% of athletes are women, but women's sports only gets about 4% of sports coverage. In other words, women's sports don't get as much coverage as men's sports because men are the enemy. That seems to be erroneous. So here's my counter argument. Here's why I think women's sports don't get much coverage. Because very few people care. Because very few people watch. Even women don't watch women's sports. It's about ratings and revenue and clicks. Women's sports don't sell tickets or get ratings or get clicks. Those are the numbers that count, not that 90% of sports editors are male and they're engaged in a conspiracy to diminish women's sports. A couple years back when a women's soccer league folded, the excuse was the sponsorship wasn't there. Big business let down women's sports. What a crock. The league folded because nobody bought tickets. The WNBA piggybacks on the NBA. Women's hockey now wants to do the same with the NHL. You gotta sell tickets, you gotta get ratings, you gotta get clicks. And if you don't, don't blame men. Look in the mirror, or better yet, look at your product, because it may be inferior. Maine, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping to build the right way since 1956. Now, let's face it, women's basketball isn't as entertaining as men's basketball. With the exception of tennis, no women's sport is as entertaining as the corresponding men's game. UConn women's basketball is 34-0 and won its first two NCAA tournament games by 88 points and 25 points, respectively. And by the way, who wants to watch that? But an average high school boys team, an average high school boys team, like, like if you went to like double-A boys basketball, and took the best team that didn't make the playoffs from the Whippeal, they would beat the UConn women by 40 points. And there's no doubt about that. Steelers signed some guys. Joining me now to discuss, we welcome our football guru, Matt Williamson, former pro and college scout. Matt, what's the front page on Morgan Burnett, the Steelers' new safety that they signed away from Green Bay? What are his pros? What are his cons? Yeah, I like the signing a lot. I think he's a very solid, established, versatile football player, um, considered a very good leader. I think he can be used in a lot of ways. Good tackler, experienced but not old, not super flashy, doesn't blow coverages, smart, good influence in the room, which I think is really important for this young secondary um, not going to Pro Bowls, but I think he's a real solid starter for the two or three years he's going to be here. It looks like Burnett will play strong safety, and Sean Davis will move to free safety. 
Uh, is that a difficult move, Matt? Should Davis be able to make it? Well, I think there's more to that than to be very honest with you. And found some things out at the Combine, and Dale Lawley's been saying this for a while. I think Cam Sutton's going to be the free safety. I, I really do, and I think he's really equipped to excel in that area. Burnett is more strong than free. And some systems, it doesn't matter. The Steelers, it does. You know, going back to Palomalu, they have a more of a strong and more of a center field type. I think Davis is interesting, and he's kind of in my doghouse, to be honest with you. I don't think he's been very impressive. It sounds like you think, think he might be in the Steelers' doghouse, too. I think he's now the third guy. You know, I mean, I think Burnett's your starting strong. I think Sutton will someday or quickly establish himself as the starting free. And I think Davis becomes your third guy with some corner background. And you see guys like Malcolm Jenkins and McCordy, where they use those type of corners, turn safety a lot of different ways. You know, they're much better players than Davis. And you also see a lot of big nickel in the NFL, where, you know, especially considering where the Steelers are at the, on the second level with their linebackers, you know, Burnett becomes a pseudo linebacker and you play more dime with three corners and three safeties. So I'm not saying Davis is the odd man out, but I think he becomes number three when the Sutton move becomes, you know, official, if it actually does. But I think it will. So it sounds like the Steelers are higher on Cam Sutton than they are on Sean Davis. Why is that? Yes, I would be too. And we haven't seen as much, but I don't think Davis has been impressive. And I do think Davis was drafted with the intentions, you know, the same year as Artie Burns of, we're going to play a lot more man coverage. You know, he's going to be our Gronk, Eifert, Kelsey, tight end eliminator. And they haven't played to his strengths. They haven't played as much man. Maybe they will. You know, we heard about it a lot, and they didn't have to early in the season. But when he did, especially against the Patriots, he got exposed. That doesn't mean that he's a bum or he's a bust. And it's a tough situation to be put into. But I don't think he's a great near-the-line-of-scrimmage player. I'm not sure he's a great off-the-line scrimmage player. I mean, I still really have my doubts of if you like him, you say he's versatile and he can play man coverage, and if you don't, you say maybe he can do none of the above. And I think this is a really critical year for him. We're talking to our football guru, Matt Williamson, here on the X. How about John Bostick, the linebacker from Indy? Will he start for the Steelers? What's the plan for him, and what are the pros and cons? I like the signing. I hope he's not a starter. He's much more Vince Williams than he is Ryan Shazier, that's for sure. He's a real thumper. He's not slow, but he doesn't change directions well or play in space particularly well. Sort of like Vince Williams, he's better coming downhill, attacking, better against the run than the pass, but he's gotten better in that regard, and he played a lot of snaps for Indianapolis last year, which is sort of a two-pronged sword. Their, their linebackers were terrible. He shouldn't have been a starter, and he was kind of by default. So I think if he's your third guy or he starts the first month of the season until your first-round pick is ready, I can live with that. But sort of like we saw last year, if Bostick and Williams are on the field together, people are going to pick on him in the passing game. Is inside backer then still the Steelers' number one draft priority? And what other positions? Yes, yes I absolutely think it is. I mean, a real athlete. I mean, a run-and-hit-speed guy. They'll never find one like Shazier, probably, but as close as they can get would be great, and maybe even two of them. I mean, it wouldn't break my heart to see them use a first-round pick on a guy, and then third or fourth neighborhood, you get a 220-pound, really run-and-hit light guy, too, that can you know, situationally play for you and excel on special teams. 
There's a lot of them in this draft as well. Um, I do think they will draft another safety, but I feel pretty comfortable, if I'm right about Sutton, with that safety room being Sutton, Davis, Burnett, and a rookie. I also think they'll draft a running back. Burnett and Bostic both get hurt a bit, but they both tackle pretty well. Maybe that's why they get hurt. They tackle so well. But but that's still welcome on the Steelers because, boy, I don't think there's too many defenses in the league, Matt, with guys who tackle improperly. Yeah, I mean, I think a, two huge things that were problems last year, amongst others, were, like you said, poor tackling, blown coverages. And I think Burnett will help both facets. Bostic will help in the first one, like you said. The Steelers will, again, have a loaded offense and a suspect defense. That didn't work last year. Why would it work this year? It didn't, but it was still a heck of a year. You know, I mean, most teams would take that. And I think that – I'm not saying it will work this year. I mean, I think New England's a little down. I think the AFC is not as good as it as the NFC. I think the Steelers will be in the hunt. And well, I, I think that's will... their best bet, Matt. Forgive my interruption. Yeah. I think the best yeah. bet isn't for the Steelers to catch New England or Jacksonville. I think it's for New England and Jacksonville and the whole conference to come back a bit to them. Yeah, maybe. And maybe. And this time last year, I thought the Steelers were the second-best team in the league. And I might think that again when the season opens. The draft, I think, will set up well for them, but they'll need contributors from their rookie class, and that's always suspect. You know, I didn't see this Burnett signing coming. I think this is a really welcome addition, more so than Bostic. I mean, I think they're, you know, clearly the favorite in the division and one of the top and Matt, teams in the league. One more thing. They got Burnett on the cheap, didn't they? I mean, I heard he originally wanted more than $8 million per year, and he didn't even quite get five per year. Yeah, I saw that too, and I was kind of shocked, you know, that for some reason this safety market, Eric Reed, Trey Boston, Kenny Vaccaro, wasn't as you know, as aggressive as you would think. I thought those guys would be signed to bigger money by now, maybe because it's a pretty decent safety draft, but that didn't add up to me, and the Steelers reap the benefits. Matt, great stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time, and we'll talk before the draft, I'm sure. Sounds good, Mark. We'll see you. That's Matt Williamson, our football guru. You can hear his analysis on this program and on the Steelers radio network. Very interesting from Matt Williamson. He thinks that Morgan Burnett comes in from Green Bay and starts at safety. Cam Sutton moves to safety from cornerback and starts at safety. And Sean Davis, who Williamson called unimpressive in his career so far, becomes the third safety. Interesting. And I'll tell you, if it works out that way, that says a lot about Cam Sutton. And it tells me the Steelers aren't willing to just tread sludge with a young kid who hasn't done what they hoped he'd do. 412 Your thoughts on what Williamson said? I'd be intrigued. I mean, not really intrigued, but I haven't taken any calls yet. 412-333-9939. Uh, we got Stan Savin, the godfather, at the bottom of the hour. And I would like to get Penguin Tuck going. Doesn't it feel like they're treading sludge as well right now? Not in the way they're playing. And on terms of their record, they're only two points out of first in the division. But just like the games don't mean anything. Like we're just waiting, 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 waiting for the playoffs. But things are precarious. 
they're not far from falling into a wild card berth with the way Columbus is playing, having won eight in a row, and Philadelphia just won't go away. Really, the Metro race, I I think there's no way the, the Penguins could get caught and knocked out of the playoffs in the 10 games they have left. Florida and everybody would have to catch them. But, but, but nonetheless, the fact that it could happen probably won't, almost certainly won't, but the fact that it could and the fact that they could tumble, I think the lowest the Penguins could tumble would be the first wild card. And then they would play whoever finishes first in the Metro, and they would play one of those teams anyway. So what's the difference? Although, I'll go over this in a bit, but the Penguins' home record is so much better than the Penguins' away record. If there was ever a year you'd want home ice advantage for Pittsburgh, this might be it. A quick tweet from a guy named Al Muir. He uh, writes for Sports Illustrated, does some hockey for them. I put a blog up today on the Mark Madden page at the X website about my favorite player as a kid from the Penguins passing away Greg Polish yesterday at the age of 67 after a brief battle with cancer. And Al Muir noted that Greg Polis was, quote, first autograph I got as a little kid. Saw me standing forlornly in the snow outside the Detroit Olympia and not only came off the bus, but he took my program and got the rest of the guys to sign too. Never forgot that kindness, unquote. Like I said, Greg Polis, very good player and a great guy, and he played for a bunch of teams, played for St. Louis, New York, and Washington, but he always thought of himself as a penguin. 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He don't do nothing but win. He just knows how to win. Super G, loud and proud. He is horrible. He is terrible. The X at 105.9. There's this nutty, imbecile lady who always tweets me, pointing out that uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets are 9-2 and two since they got Ian Cole. Right, and that's why they're 9-2, and two, because they got Ian Cole. Nothing to do with their scorers finally scoring or Tomas Vanek coming in and making a legitimate difference. They got him too, you know. Uh, interesting times with Pitt basketball, and I think it says how interesting they are that I'm actually talking about Pitt basketball. Didn't talk about him at all except to make fun of him during an 0-18 season in the ACC. But now they're trying to get Danny Hurley and the spin being put on their attempt to get Danny Hurley, the coach at Rhode Island, the spin put on by their media sycophants, especially with the B team, is unbelievable. I'm getting told now on Twitter, well, if they offered Hurley $3 million a year and don't get him, at least they stepped up to the plate and made a big league offer for a big league coach. No, that doesn't impress me at all. They need to get the big league coach. And if you got to up the ante to 3.5 mil, then do that. But unless they get the guy. Let's not forget, before they got Kevin Stallings, they tried to get better and couldn't get better. Near misses don't count, especially when you're 0-18 in the friggin' ACC. they got to get the guy. Trying doesn't count. they got to get the guy. Mark my words. Danny Hurley's going to stay at Rhode Island or go to UConn. And Pitt's going to wind up with Kevin Willard. Former Pitt player Kevin Willard, now coaching at Seton Hall. I got a call him in the trip running tomorrow about the notion of getting Sean Miller. And 
even though Sean Miller was or is under FBI investigation, and I don't believe the story about that tape, by the way. If that tape existed, somebody else would have heard it by now. You ne- and Sean Miller denied that that tape existed or that he made that uh, offer, you know, to, to get a hundred grand from point A to point B for one of his players. Sean Miller denied that up and down. You don't deny up and down if there's a tape out there. You don't deny up and down if there's evidence, hardcore evidence out there. Although it did work for O.J. Simpson. But Pitt got to get the guy. Not come close, they got to get the guy. Whether it's Danny Harley, Sean Miller, if he becomes available, they got to get the guy. Interesting stuff from Matt Williams tonight. I enjoyed having him on. He thinks that Morgan Burnett's going to come in to play strong safety. And the assumption is that Sean Davis will move to free safety. But Williamson says that Cam Sutton's going to take over, converting from cornerback to free safety, and that Sean Davis is going to wind up being the third safety. I don't know if that's the plan. I don't know if that will work, if it is the plan. But I know this. That secondary wasn't good enough last year. That defense wasn't good enough last year. And any adjustments they make, however far-fetched they might seem upon first glance, are worth trying. Because, again, that defense wasn't good enough last year. Let's go to Dan in Upper St. Clair. Dan, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. Um, I was curious to hear your reasoning behind your statement earlier when you said that if the Steelers drafted a running back in the second round, that would get Lev Bell's butt into camp, or at least a, a show Be, up Because if they, if they have uh, James Conner and, let's say, a second-round pick, okay? Yeah. If they have James Conner and a second-round pick at running back, showing up to camp on time, and Bell doesn't show up for week one, they could rescind his, his franchise tag. Oh, okay. I see. I didn't realize that. And then, he'd, gil- that. then he'd, get, he'd get minimum in free agency because all the money will have been spent. The only teams I with see. cap room at that point will be crap teams. Okay. I thought maybe that it was your uh, rationalization that Lev Bell would be threatened. He thought. Oh, no, 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 no. If Lev Bell... Le- Lev Bell doesn't even recognize that any backs exist besides Lev Bell. Exactly. That was what I was wondering. Okay. No, no, but if you could if you could, you know, cut off his fourteen point five mil right. if he's not there for week one. Right. I don't know. You know what? If and this is all moot unless the Steelers do draft a running back in the second round. And even then what I'm about to suggest isn't their style. But what I would do, Dan, is if I drafted that running back in the second round, I'd, I'd very quietly say to Lev Bell, I wouldn't make it public. I'd tell his agent, look, if he's not there by the third week of camp, we're just going to rescind the franchise tag. Right. It's just not worth okay. the trouble to us. We got our ass covered. He's got to come in at a reasonable time so he's reasonably prepared for the season, which he was not last year. That's right. what I would do. Up next, he is the godfather. He's been around forever. He is music, and he writes the songs. What the hell? Stan Savard up next, 105.9. This is Brian Dumoulin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9, the X. Joining me now from AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh and from ESPN Radio Pittsburgh, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. We welcome Stan Saverin. 
Stan, the Morgan Burnett signing seems okay if he stays healthy and not a bad price either. No, it's a very good price. Uh, it's a classic Steeler free agent signing. You know, maybe not plucking a guy off the top of the tree, but, you know, getting a guy from a branch just below uh, at a reasonable price, apparently a little bit less than $5 million a year, which is about actually slightly less than what Mike Mitchell would have made. Uh, I think everybody was excited about Tyron Matthew, and, you know, he's a real playmaker. Uh, but, but this guy is a very solid player. Uh, he's good against the run. He can play in the box which Mitchell really uh, could not. Uh, and I think the common thread that maybe that some people are overlooking with both the signings of Bostick, the linebacker, and Burnett today, both are reputed to be excellent tacklers. As we all know, the Steelers' tackling is awful. And this is one of the areas they knew they had to shore up, and both these guys are sure tacklers, especially Burnett. So, yeah, pass coverage and all those other things and, you know, whatever, and he's been used in a multi- uh, multiple fashions by the Green Bay Packers, but he's a good tackler, and, hey, often that's your last line of defense, so that's an added bonus. Matt Williamson seems to think that Burnett comes in and plays strong safety, that Cam Sutton gets switched from corner and wins the job at free safety, and Sean Davis becomes the third safety. That never crossed my mind, but uh, I don't know how impressed they've been with Sean Davis. Well, I mean, I've I've heard that, but I've also heard something else that, uh, you know, uh, you can you can do that, and let's remember to that end. Uh, Sutton apparently is definitely going over there now. Whether or not the signing of Burnett means he'll go, well, also just because they draft, uh, just because they sign Burnett, doesn't mean they won't draft a safety. Uh, I don't think in the first round, but you know they might get a, say another safety because they need some some volume there. But let's remember something that uh, Sean Davis's rookie year, he started the season as a slot corner. He is capable of playing corner. He played some corner at Maryland uh, early on in his college career, and he did start here, and then they eventually moved him to safety. So, I mean, that is plausible to me. That could happen, or they could figure that Sean Davis would be a much better free safety, which he'll be now, than he was a strong safety, and that would then tell them, we don't have to move Sutton. We'll leave him on the corner and give us some, you know, some depth there, too. Let's talk about John Bostick, the backer who played for Indy last year, do the Steelers see him as a starter or a backup? I think if he starts, that means they failed themselves in the draft. I, I think the only way that he starts is, uh, although, listen, if he were to start ahead of Vince Williams, I would have no problems with that. Okay, good point. Um, Vince Williams, to me, is is a, a sidekick to a playmaker like a Ryan Shazier. But absent a playmaker like Ryan Shazier, which they're not likely to get, at least initially in the draft, um, then I think his position um, is vulnerable. Uh, I mean, I could see eventually, and this would strengthen the group as a whole, where you would have, if they get a linebacker in the uh, first round, he could be a first-day starter. You know, they've shown less reluctance to do that, mainly out of necessity. So, look, if you bump Vince Williams to a backup role, you're much stronger as a unit. 
Um, I do think they like the way that Bostic tackles. Again, I think that guy's got to be solid, especially if it's a playmaker. I mean, someone's got to stay at home while you've got a guy, well, had a guy like Shazier, you know, doing what he did, did roaming from sideline to sideline. So um, uh, it may be, depending on who they get in the draft, if they get an inside backer in the draft, that Williams and Bostic might be fighting for that starting position. Or they both start early till the rookie works his way right, in. Right, right, exactly. Uh, last year, the Steelers had a loaded offense and a suspect defense. Aren't they in exactly the same position now? Why would it work in 2018 if it didn't in 2017? Well, I think, I think let me put it this way. I think they're better today than they were in January. Um, just by, if you just look at, Morgan Burnett versus Mike Mitchell. Let's just let's just start there. I mean, I think clearly they're they're better off than they were there. Um, again, a lot's going to depend on who that inside backer is. Obviously, if she, uh, if if Shazier hadn't gotten hurt, then you know you could look at the dynamic entirely differently. Um, if look, if you start the season with Bostic and Williams, I mean, all you've got there is average. The problem that they have, they have no playmakers on defense. They don't have any playmakers on defense. Uh, Shazier was a playmaker. He's no longer in the mix. They'll be okay at inside linebacker, but there won't be any playmakers there. Uh, I do think that you have to hope for better performances, frankly, from their two defensive ends. You have to hope that T.J. Watt is significantly better, and he was fine, but you you got to get something from Bud Dupree uh, to be better. Artie Burns has got to be better. Let me put it this way. I can't definitively say that the defense overall will be better, but I think at the very least, if we just start with the safety position, I think a win on two occasions. Number one, you're really getting Davis to a free safety where he's going to be better. I don't know about Cam Sutton, how he'll translate, but the mere fact that Burnett is better than Mitchell, automatically, incrementally anyway, you're better. Stan, uh, we've been talking a lot about the Pitt basketball coaching situation, and it looks like the Pitt uh, athletic department has made the biggest offer to Danny Hurley, $3 million plus a year, bigger than Rhode Island, bigger than UConn. But how do you think that's going to play out? Because that's a lot of money, but Pitt's a terrible situation. Yeah, it's a terrible situation. Um, I think the one thing that you have to bank on uh, from a Pitt perspective is that uh, of the three schools, he would be coaching in the much significantly higher conference. Um, now, that may be invite yourself to get a beatdown, um, but you are playing at a much higher level. I mean, UConn and what was the Big East doesn't exist anymore. I mean, Atlantic 10 always has, you know, a couple, three good teams, but it's not the ACC. Uh, and and so, so, I mean, if you want the highest profile coaching against the best teams, then that is something to be said for coaching at Pitt. Secondly, and I don't know that any coach would be worried about pressure. I guess they do. Um, there is no pressure um, to do better than uh, Kevin Stallings. I mean, you, you can't help but do better than he did. And so you're not expected to come in and win the conference. You're not expected to come in and win a national championship. I mean, that may play into it. And I had Mike DeCourcy on my show today, and Mike made a, a good point. He said, if you're going to come into the ACC, now would be a good time. Look, Krzyzewski and Roy Williams are not going to coach forever. Um, Krzyzewski's already 71. Williams is fast approaching it. I don't know how long they're going to go. Maybe another 10 years. Uh, but, you know, things may change once the coaches change. Uh, you know, Duke, 
Krzyzewski's been there so long, it's hard to remember when he wasn't. But let's remember, after Dean Smith retired, it took North Carolina a while to get it right. You know, they, they didn't exactly get it right until they got Roy Williams from Kansas. So what DeCourcy was suggesting, if you're going to come in, now might be a good time. The other factor is, though, is that based on the geography, it's always going to be tough for Pitt to recruit in ACC country. So that might be the negative. The other issue is that Hurley is from New Jersey. Pittsburgh's not that far, but Connecticut's a lot closer. We're talking to the godfather, Stan Saverin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Uh, Stan, we never talked about the Aliquippa High School football situation. They just hired their new coach. Uh, what's your take on the way that all played out? Well, it was it was terrible. We see it play out play out too often this way uh, in a number of high schools. I think the one surprise that that caught my attention, I think we all expected that the hiring of Sean Gilbert was a fait accompli. Um, that his mother was on the board. She voted against it. Stan, her- forgive the interruption. I think all the criticism shamed them out of that one. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I, I think that the board got together to hire a new coach that we want. We can't do this. I mean, everybody's on to it, uh, and, and we, you know, now we can't do it. Uh, I, I assume that was what was their intent. I don't, can't be sure about that. Uh, that may uh, you know, have had an effect on this. I don't know Mike Warfield other than the fact that he played there. and He's been a high school coach, maybe not a head coach, but you know, he's been a quarterback coach uh, at Central Valley, um, and it surprised me. Uh, and, again, maybe the public pressure, and, but that still doesn't undo what they did is meanic. I'm still waiting for a good reason. Um, well, Stan, I think that it's obvious it was done for race. Uh, a black community wanted represented by a black coach. I can't even say that's wrong because I'm not black and it's not my community, but there just isn't a good football reason for the move they made. No, and especially when you stop and think that Zmianic was considering retirement. And then he said, I, 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 I'm going to come back for one more year. Um, and it's not like he was, yeah, he lost a WPIL championship game, but it's not like he didn't have a, you know, a good season in 2017. So, you know, where is the empathy? The man has given us everything. Not that it's a charity, but it's not, again, it's not like he was, you know, he was three and six last year. I mean, he went to the WPIL final at Heinz Field. I know, I was there, I announced the game. All right, so he, you know, he lost to Quaker Valley. Uh, he said he wanted to coach one more year. Would it have killed him to let him coach one last year and then ride off into the sunset as uh, the most celebrated uh, Aliquippa coach of all time? Uh, shameful. Shameful and shameless. Well, Stan, it would have hurt because this coming year's team is foolproof. It's loaded, and they didn't want the new coach to come in and stumble. I mean, I'll say this for the Aliquippa school board. The people who engineered this, they did it perfectly. Their timeline was exact and precise. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, but I would also like to think that you, uh, you know, look, Zmianic is the one who, you know, developed a lot of those kids. And let's remember, you, when you have a successful high school program, you have to develop feeder systems through uh, elementary school, middle school, junior high. You know, they all come in playing the same way, the same system, all that kind of thing. Um, it seemed to me that Zmianic, uh, not that he didn't, I mean, he won all those championships, but he deserved to reap the benefits of what should be a championship football team next year. Stan, uh, turning to hockey, Matt Murray's back tonight. We assume he's playing. I think that announcement will come from Mike Sullivan uh, within a half hour or so. Uh, and it better stay back. It's not like it was in goal, is it? No, they cannot win a cup without Matt Murray. 
Um, you know, the flower's not there anymore. Uh, and, and, you know, with all due respect to Casey DeSmith, Tristan Jari, whoever ends up being the backup, uh, tonight it'll be Casey DeSmith. Um, you could actually make the argument, Mark, that right now, Matt Murray is the most irreplaceable penguin. I know you don't want to go into the playoffs without, you know, Sid, Geno, Kessel, uh, you know, a defenseman because they're thin on defense. But when you talk about the most irreplaceable guy, it just might be Matt Murray, if you understand the nuance of that. I'm sure you do, um, because they cannot win a cup without him. Um, the other two have, they haven't played one playoff game. Um, they could come in maybe, you know, for a game or two in a series. I'm not sure you could win a series um, with either one of those two. Um, just based on their youth or their lack of experience, uh, they need Matt Murray. I don't believe that they could could win a cup without him. It's odd, Stan, because right now I don't feel like the Penguins are necessarily better than last year. But just about every team in the Eastern Conference, and especially in the Metro Division, isn't as good as last year. Probably worse, which is great timing. Uh, it is certainly in the, in the in the metro division. I mean, frankly, I'm very surprised that Washington has done as well as they have. Uh, I really thought. That well, yes, they... Dan, especially the guys they lost and yeah. Braden Holtby's been terrible. Let me tell you, it wouldn't shock me if Grabauer's their guy in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I honestly thought that you know, especially with the, you know, you get another disappointment. I mean, eventually that takes a toll on you. Uh, you know, we can't do it. We're never going to do it. So on, and so forth. Um, I'm surprised that they have done as well as they have, but that doesn't mean I think that they're the best team in the division. I don't. Uh, I still believe the Penguins uh, are the best team in the division. I will say this: I think that the challenge, and look, they had a heck of a challenge from Ottawa, but as we see Ottawa this year, I think that was a one one year flu. But I, I, I would be legitimately um, concerned about, and we're a long way from getting there, either Toronto or Boston, excuse me, either uh, Tampa or Boston in an Eastern Conference final. Not so much Toronto, but um, I, mean, I, think, I think actually Boston may be a better team than, than Tampa is. That would be, first of all, it would be a colossal Eastern Conference final if it got to that. But, I mean, at the very least, especially not having home ice, and they wouldn't for either one of those series, that would be really challenging. Stan, great stuff. I'll see you on Thursday on your program. All right, Mark. Thank you. That's Stan Saverin brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Why pay the other guys 40% when the three wise men charge only 25 Up next, Bob McLaughlin at 105.9. 105.9. Double M on the X, joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, your thoughts on Matt Williamson coming out of left field with a shocking, if perfectly reasonable, proposition that now the Steelers have signed the safety from Green Bay, uh, Morgan. I keep wanting to say Freeman. Don't do it. What's his name? Bennett. <laughs> Burnett. Burton. A.J. Burnett is who it is. <laughs> uh, Morgan Burnett. That he will go to strong safety and display Sean Davis. But the Davis won't move to starting free safety, as many are assuming. The Cam Sutton will win that job, moving from cornerback, and that Sean Davis will become the third safety. What's your take? All of that is moot if Artie Burns doesn't know how the hell to play cornerback because 
he did so much damage and was lost so often last year that they just know that they can go right to him and get however many yards they need. No, I'm for the Steelers, it's a great problem to have. They've got more bodies. Oh, no, I don't know if it's a problem. I think they're searching for an answer. Yeah, I, I, you know what I mean. I was just turning the phrase but, but there. It, but. If they're dissatisfied with Sean Davis, I kind of get it. Because well, as much as Davis and Artie Burns impressed his rookies, they didn't get much better as second-year guys. That was the problem. That's why I think, you know, there's a big dismantling of the uh, secondary right now. And look, this lights a fire under all of them right now. I think the Steelers are saying if that's where this is coming from and enough people who are down there at the headquarters on the south side and, you know, follow this team are saying that that's a possibility that there could be some different changes this year. That's lighting a fire under all of them. You know, because that was horrendous last year coming down the end of the season. They had all sorts of problems last year. At least this gives them, especially, uh, you know, with Davis, who can play both, or with Sutton, who can play both, uh, this gives them position flexibility, let's say, as Mike Tomlin used to, likes to use. Um, Pitt has reportedly made the biggest offer of any school to Danny Hurley, the head coach at Rhode Island Basketball. They've offered in excess of $3 million per year in a multi-year deal. Rhode Island is trying to keep them. UConn's trying to get them. How do you think this plays out? Will Pitt have submitted the winning bid, or will Hurley use that bid to parlay bigger money from a school he really wants to coach at? Well, I, I just have to disagree with you a little bit. I know that you said that it's not about the offer that they make. It's whether they get him or not. And sure, that, I mean... At the end, that's exactly how it's going to play out. But the only move they had on the chessboard, Mark, was to put big money out there. And I'm glad that Pitt stepped up and did that. Um, it's more than I thought it was going to be. And judging from reaction right now from people who know basketball, it's more than they thought it would be. Want to know what the cynic in me is wondering? If Pitt knows it offered just enough to just miss. Oh, well, now you're playing the you know the old Pirates move, huh? We almost got him, Bob. <laughs> right. No, I don't think Just it means... Missed it by that much. I don't think it means anything unless they get him. And if, and if Hurley doesn't go to Pitt, I don't blame him. If he takes less money to go to UConn or to stay at Rhode Island, I don't blame him. I think Pitt basketball, in the short term, is an absolutely hopeless situation. It is going to be a tough sell, even with that much money. I mean, that UConn's got the bigger name. Um, they don't have as many problems. UConn's not a perfect job right now either, and he may like it at Rhode Island. This just may cause Rhode Island to up his money, and he likes it where he has it now. Um, but Pitt put the you know Pitt did the right step. They moved the right piece on the chessboard. They put the money out there. If he doesn't take it, then that's all on him. That's not Pitt right now. It's not this time Pitt has the black eye because they've screwed this up thoroughly up until this point. Right now, uh, this is the only move and the best move that Pitt could make. That's Bob McLaughlin brought you by 84 Lumber. We got the NFL. Vince McMahon's bringing back the XFL. And now, whether we want it or not, we're going to get the Alliance of American Football. Can we ever get enough football? Yes. Yes, and I think the NFL by itself with 16 games, all that preseason, all those playoffs was already too much. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9.